The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, and callers. Now here's your host, Valerie Kirkgaard. This is for you, this is for you and me, and who we see when we see each other. This is for all, this is for all the time you tried to find your sister or your brother. And you're not crazy anymore, you've been waiting at the door. And it's time to open. Oh, yes, it is time to open. You're listening to Waking Up in America, pre- presented by Mary Louise Zeller, 20 times, 20 times gold medal taekwondo champion in forums and international Kayani distribution agent. We do dynamic radio dialogues on Life Today in America, and I'm here with the ever-popular and outrageous Randy Shannon and the wonderful, wonderful Louis Constantine M.T. We've got a fast thing happening on the show today. Our guest, Harvey Wasserman, whose name echoes through the halls of change in America and has for a long time, is here. We've got to get him off the air <laughs> really quickly before uh, 20... We've got to get him off by 6.25, and it's now 6.06. Um, so I'm going to take away the ranting that I normally do in the part of it, and just knowing that in talking with um, Harvey, you're actually going to know what my ranting is all about. Now, Randy's got to, she's in transit to a funeral. Louis and I are comfortably sta- seated here. Um, Harvey's ready for a plane, and Paula Teske, our marathon finisher, she's comfortably seated in a, a quiet room, so we'll, we'll remain here for the entire show. So just, uh, you know, join us um, send your friends, let, let them know that we're on Twitter right now. You can go to Dr. Valerie, well, actually, Dr. Period Val Kirkgaard at Val Kirkgaard 1, and Kirkgaard has two A's in it, and you can let people know what we're up to this morning, and we can let them know that this is talk radio for an intelligent world. And Harvey Wasserman, good morning. Great to be with you, Val. <laughs> I first called up Harvey because... Um, he and C.W. and I had had an incredible conversation on hemp and how the Constitution was originally written on hemp and how our forefathers grew hemp and things of that nature. And then I got myself a medical marijuana card a couple of years ago, and it brought peace and joy to my life, let me tell you. I just lost a lot of the stress. I could go to sleep, things of that nature. Uh, I preferred it over uh, different things by the gr- drug companies. And... Um, uh, it's inexpensive. It's all you know. It's all kinds of stuff, relative, and it's caused a big furor um, over the years. I would have to say that um, probably William Randolph Hearst may have been one of the major people to stop hemp grow, 
the growing of hemp because hemp is strong. It's great for paper. And William Randolph Hearst had, you know, a lot of forests and things of that nature, and he wanted to cut down trees and make money that way. So in talking with, in talking with Harvey about that, um, then he started talking about Fukushima. So I'm trying to figure out how to get all this fabulous information in here at the same time. So Harvey, um, you had said that the the um, federal hemp laws had changed, and I was looking for that. I, what I came across was that federal um, prosecutors uh, would like to ignore most of the laws and keep enforcing marijuana and hemp laws, but what are your comments on that? Well, it does appear that the hemp law is changing. You know, hemp is the non... Well, you can smoke hemp, but it'll give you a, a headache. Uh, the, the two plants look a lot alike, and the scientific test is if you smoke one, and if it's uh, if you get the munchies, it's marijuana. And if you get a headache, it's hemp. But hemp is, uh, uh, as you mentioned, one of the great industrial um, uh, crops of the world. George Washington and Tom Jefferson both raised hemp and spoke and sang its praises. It was the second largest uh, cash crop in America, uh, alongside tobacco, in the early days of the Republic. And uh, it's good for clothing, for paper, for rope for sales, um, uh, for food, uh, and for, uh, you know, a host of other industrial products, including, very importantly, energy, because uh, hemp has a great uh, cellulosic uh, power, and also the uh, there's oil in the seeds. So uh, the legalization of hemp, uh, actually, financially, in the long term, is a bigger deal than the legalization of marijuana. Well, just stop a minute, because if we legalize marijuana, wouldn't we be disappearing a lot of the black trade that goes on? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a big part that's of it. That's a big part to me. I mean, look at the federal funds that are spent on prosecuting people for being peaceful. Well, it's ridiculous. It's been ridiculous for since the 1930s. Marijuana should never have been made illegal. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, Colorado got a huge tax windfall from legalizing pot, uh, as well as, of course, saving money um, on the, that there was uselessly, uselessly spent on, on enforcement. Right. So I, I believe because of the success of legalization of marijuana in Colorado that a lot of other states are going to very rapidly fall in line. Ironically, Alaska, probably Oregon, uh, Rhode Island, uh, Massachusetts, uh, they're very likely to legalize pot this year. It'll be on the ballot in California in 2016, and, um, you know, other states will, will fall into place along the way. So it's a, a major important step forward now with the legalization of pot. But hemp, which has also been illegal, um, uh, was a huge crop uh, federally um, uh, supported in the night during World War II. Um, virtually all of Kansas was planted in hemp uh, for rope for the Navy. And uh, now um, we're seeing that the hemp laws are, are rapidly falling away. The farm community has a huge interest in uh, legalizing hemp because it's such a powerful and important cash crop. My understanding, uh, I had someone on my radio show uh, from Canada who says that uh, it's almost a half a billion dollars a year in Canada so, uh, as a crop. So no, that's huge. Happen- that is huge. Yeah, and so this is going to happen in the U.S. It's uh, very good for the environment because the prosecution 
of uh, hemp growers has, of course, made it. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, someone's <laughs> sending. This is a real show with real people. Go for it, Harvey. Yes. Um, so the, uh, the the fact is that uh, when with the legalization of pot and of hemp. Uh, it's good for the environment because the people who are growing it illegally are employing very, very destructive tactics, you know, and hiding it in national forests and using all sorts of poisons. And um, um, when, when, with legalization, uh, that thankfully is going to stop, and, and uh, you know, the, the methods used to raise pot will, and hemp will become uh, way more rational. Well, I think, um, you know, one of the really important things uh, about hemp is the fact that it grows quickly, it's stronger than wood, it's, it makes better paper. It's like all of the, uh, maybe we can have you back really soon, Harvey, so we can get behind the politics that, um, that, put, that limit all of these things, because <clears throat> to me it's the removal of things that really worked. I think a lot of the population is really just uneducated because you're talking about hemp, and it has so many uses, and it is completely different from medicinal marijuana. And I think people just don't understand that it's completely different. But even if it wasn't, Randy, both of these things are things that do good in the world. I And I agree with that, and I think both should be legalized. Yeah. But I think... Uh, you know, when I ran for state senate, people just didn't get it that hemp is completely different from marijuana. They think it's the same. So that's, that's a really good point. They do look a lot alike, but you know, uh, like I say, if you smoke hemp, you get a headache. Well, uh, ben, ben Franklin actually used hemp um, in his first paper mill, and it does make very strong paper. Um, it makes very strong clothing and fabric. And also a very high protein. Um, the seeds are a very uh, strong source of uh, uh, good protein. Uh, we are going to have, um, you know, in a lot of products in the health food stores, but it has to be, it, until now, it's been grown overseas. Uh, China has a huge uh, industry in growing hemp, and uh, it's legal all over Europe. As I say, it's legal in Canada, although those countries also ban um, marijuana. So that's all up. <laughs> Well, I, I, I want to thank you for the marijuana conversation and the hemp conversation, and I'd like to do more with this when we have a little bit more time. I just want to say a little bit about who's been talking here. He, he's done a lot of work in the anti-nuclear area. Harvey Wasserman was actually born December 31st of 1945, so it's about as close to a new year as you can get. Uh, he's a journalist, he's an activist, and he's somebody that I have loved for absolutely years. He has um, helped in the all the movements against the reactors. He's a he's just an articulate man who's committed and who has who has been there over the years making change and making a difference. And uh, uh, when I talked to him about what was going on with marijuana and hemp, and if you have a question here, Lewis, this would be the time because we're going to switch over to Fukushima. Do you have any hemp or marijuana question of Harvey? No, I don't. I mean, I think um, what Harvey has said is eminently clear. Um, we, we have two different uh, kinds of, uh, of plants here that look alike, have very, very different functions. Um, and and uh, have both been regulated and are both, both been regulated powerful. inappropriately, and it's time to move on uh, and, uh, and change that whole situation. 
There you go. See, what a perfect lead-in that is. I totally appreciate that. Now, in the newspapers, you probably heard about bankers dropping dead like flies. I thought there were 10 of them that are supposed to have committed suicide. Um, Yeah, it turns out that Sherry sends me a thing saying over 20. I don't believe it because so many of them had vacations planned. Also, we have planes disappearing and things of that nature, and I've always been very suspicious about Fukushima, thinking that perhaps the damage over there was caused by a harp machine. Well, it turns out that Harvey is a Fukushima expert as well. So, Harvey, for the next 10 minutes, let's Fukushima. Well, uh, as you know, all of you, that it's a horrible disaster. It's ongoing. It's proof that the nuclear power industry, as if we needed more, is an utter catastrophe for the world. We had three meltdowns, four explosions, uh, fuel rods scattered all over the site, uh, which are incredibly dangerous, toxic, radioactive, and uh, 300 tons of highly radioactive water pouring into the ocean every day. So, uh, you know, the, the, the disaster is ongoing. The only good thing that's come out of Fukushima is that all of the reactors in Japan, 54 of them, have been shut down. But the current um, administration, a very right-wing, militaristic, uh, uh, pro-nuclear, fascistic, um, a government, the Abe administration, uh, has been pushing to reopen these reactors. You can read about this, uh, folks, at, at nukefree.org, N-U-K-E-F-R-E-E dot O-R-G, where I post articles regularly uh, on, on Fukushima and the, on atomic power, as well as on renewable energy. So, um, at this point, uh, a state secrets act in Japan has made it very difficult, if not impossible, for uh, people in Japan to speak up and uh, speak out about this. And it's a very, very uh, serious situation. The radiation that's detectable uh, will be coming to the West Coast uh, this summer in the form of uh, isotopes of cesium. It's been detected in Alaska and now moved down uh, through. Uh, Canadian waters and will, as I say, be hitting California waters this summer. So it's very depressing and a huge health implications. And, you know, what we really need to do is to shut the entire atomic power industry and, and uh, completely uh, change to renewables. Uh, the, the economics are behind it, but the governments uh, have an interest in, in, in the big corporations in sticking with nuclear, and that's that's the situation we face. In California, there are two reactors still operating. We had a huge victory uh, this past year shutting two reactors at San Onofre uh-huh. between, LA, between L.A. and San Diego. Yeah. But uh, there are two that still operate uh, west, due west of San Luis Obispo at, uh, between L.A. and uh, San Francisco, and uh, those need to shut their own earthquake faults in a tsunami zone, very, very bad, very dangerous, and and uh, that's got to come next. Oh, God, it's just like, where, where do you start with this, and how do you implement it? Do you yourself have any suspicions about what caused the disaster? Do you buy that it was an earthquake? Um, I, I, you know, something caused that tsunami, and, and uh, you know, the, the only good news is that the earthquake was a uh, hundred and some miles away from Fukushima, if that earthquake had been closer to Fukushima, it could have turned that whole site into rubble, and, uh, you know, it would have been even worse. Uh, the, the, what's 
one of the terrifying things about Fukushima is that it's not a worst-case scenario. Oh, my that, God. Uh, far worse could have happened if the earthquake had been closer and uh, just completely leveled uh, all of those reactors. And then we'd be in much worse shape than we are now. Well, one of the things that I saw, Harvey, was um, it seems that when the heart machine is used, that it, it, that it um, leaves a signature that's different than nature, okay? So the information I got on Fukushima was that the earthquake started like six miles down or something of that nature, and that the the um, it had a, a counterclockwise motion, which indicates harp interference. And I know that we're doing terror and war- warfare through um, using the weather. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I believe that that's part of the reason that the Philippines has been called Water World. I mean, they had something like 50-some-odd typhoons in one year. So, Randy, I just heard you say something, and I know you're going to be cutting out here soon. So you, any comments here, dear? Yeah, you know, we, we all know that they've had the technology to create weather wars for a long time. And, you know, people have shown pictures of the clouds. I guess there's a certain color that appears when they use the harp in the clouds, yeah. kind of a little bit of a purpley haze. And, um, you know, as far as the governments go, again, when I ran for Senate, I was speaking with the minority leader of the Republicans, and this was in Iowa, and his aide was standing there, and they were trying to, at the time, raise the rates on the customers for their electric. For the, They were putting a deal together to raise it for the next 20 years, because that's how long it takes to get all the licensing, apparently, in place to open up one of these nuclear power plants. And, and I said, do you understand what happens with the waste? And she said, well, you know what? If they have to dump that in the ocean, I don't care if a few fishes die. And that was her exact words. I don't care if a Who few fishes that? die. Uh, as long as I can have a lower, cheaper bill. And I, I just thought, my gosh, do they not understand the gravity of this? So I love Harvey's work and what he's done to shut some of these down because we know that there's free energy and it's suppressed. And this is all about the money. And I'm so glad. I mean, he's almost a hero that he's out there fighting. What do you mean stop almost? These- Yes, he is. <laughs> Harvey Wasserman, you're my hero. Thank you. Thank you very much. So what we really need to do is, is to, you know, when people ask me all the time, what can I do, what you can do is shut your local nuke. And uh, that's the most important thing to do. People in Japan, there's going to be a huge confrontation now between the public and the government over reopening those reactors. They have to stay shut. And uh, what we have to do in the United States is chapter two here in California at the Apple Canyon, the others around the country, which are vulnerable to earthquake uh, destruction. Uh, there's actually, you know, people talk about the tsunami. There are three reactors at Oconee in South Carolina that are downriver from a huge dam. And the wall of water that would come from that dam theoretically could exceed the wall of water that came in to Fukushima for the tsunami. Huh. And this is the number we had. We already had one flooded at Fort Calhoun in, uh, in Nebraska. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, between the earthquakes, the tsunamis, the dam breaks, uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, uh, it's a nightmare. And, and there are over 400 commercial reactors worldwide, and we really need to shut them down. Yeah, we sure do. 
You know, I almost, I mean, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Harvey, but people are, that are not feeling good in California already are, are yanking hair samples and sending them off, and they're already detecting cesium in their hair samples, and they're going through complete detox and moving away from the state. I've heard of reporters that have done this. So well, it's already away, there. There's no way, moving away never works, because... Uh, you know, this this stuff come down, comes down at random. Uh, some of the worst stuff from Chernobyl came down in New England. Uh, it, it's just, you know, it's a small planet. And so you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> and uh, uh, it, it's just, uh, you know, finding these things in our bodies is, is, is going to happen more and more. There's no way around it. So there you go. I have projected... Sorry, Val, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, we... we we can run, but we can't hide, and I think that's, we need to say, you got the last minute with Harvey, because he needs to leave, like, right now. Let me I just say one thing. I, you what? I heard projected death numbers of 140 million. Is that accurate, Harvey? Harvey? Well, we, we don't know. Uh, you know, it varies. Uh, you know, children time. are affected, um, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, uh, and pregnant women, and, and, uh, the general population in varying ways, and in the long term, uh, all we can do is work as hard as we possibly can to shut this industry. The good news, and I'll end with this, is that we do have the technology to convert the whole planet to renewables, and that's what we should be doing. The money, uh, the, the 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 economic incentives are there. What we have to do is break the corporate stronghold on our energy supplies, and as soon as we do that, uh, we can move forward. With That's renewables, with solar, wind, tidal, geothermal, ocean thermal, and as we began the hour with biofuels from hemp and other other clean sources, sustainable sources. And there you go. Thank you, Harvey. Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure. Uh, yes. Yeah. Haven't laid out how we've talked about it in a book called Solartopia, which is solartopia.org, and uh, all the information on nuclear is at nuclefree.org. So. Thank you very, very much. I'm sorry I have to run. I'm honored to be on your show. Uh, and I'm, I have a, even a nice quote from you from last time you were on, so that's really cool. Thanks, and we'll have you back again, Harvey. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. Be you too, buddy. Thank you. Visit Waking Up in America and sign up for our newsletter. Check out our sponsors. They're on the right-hand side of the page. And when you sign up for our newsletter, we'll give you the password that lets you visit the amazing section of our website. There's great stuff there, from just plain humor to astounding views of the world and information. You'll love it. Uh, our presenting sponsor, Kayani, uh, join us on Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. Pacific for Mary Louise's introduction to Kayani and great health. And that's on the website, too. So if you hop over to wakingupinamerica.com, you'll look on the right-hand side of the website, and you'll see that all of these things that I'm mentioning are listed there, and here's the best part of it. There's hot links there as well. So Patricia Bragg's apple cider vinegar. Oh, my God. Randy, I know she drinks a ton of it. Uh, Every day. <laughs> couple couple shots of the actual uh, drink with the mother. I know, <laughs> I know it way, sounds funny. <laughs> it, it does. This this mother is a little bit cloudy and kind of uh, interesting looking. Uh, at, at first, the first time I saw mother, I thought there was something wrong, and then I yeah, thought, right? oh no, it's, that's it's where the new, where all the good stuff is. Randy, right. who's on your forty two action this week? Oh wow, we had a great call this past week, uh, but anyone can call. It's 
and get the recording to that. But this week coming, we have about 90 minutes on the IRS. It's going to be an <laughs> incredible call. Oh, you think so, too. Well, you, everybody knows that, that that I'm in foreclosure again, and I'm getting chased around, and I'm having a really good time because I'm finding all these different options. And by the way, you're going to want to hear some of the options that have come up. I've been calling around to find out. The question is not whether or not you can stop the foreclosure sale. The question is what's the best way to stop it and what's the best way to set up your future because uh, your house has already been paid for. So, uh, hey, what can I say, folks? Why pay for it a second time? And uh, we're having some law changes here in California, so I'm excited about that. And Randy, as she's mentioned, she ran for Congress, and she was winning too, and then she took one look at the system and said, hmm. I don't think so. So, um, if, if you yes, it was a choice. <laughs> if if you want if you want that you know if you if you like Patricia Bragg's apple cider vinegar, but you want something that's um, tasty and warm and supports your immune system, that's Sir Jason Winter tea. So we, those are our official drinks here at Waking Up in America for hot tea. It's Sir Jason Winter's tea, which was actually put together to support your immune system. Everything on this program is about helping you to enjoy and embrace life more fully. Protandin uh, reduces oxidative stress. It's something I take every day along with my Kayani. It's, um, I have a brighter world because I do these things. Coningcompany.com cleans the eustachian tube, and that's C-O-N-I-N-G-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y.com. They said, don't worry about writing all this stuff down. You just go over to the website and click on the image. I'm just letting you know where the line leads. Randy Shannon's 42action.org. Aquachi, oh my gosh, you know, a detox foot bath that actually energizes your cells. Uh, this is outrageously wonderful stuff, folks. And on top of this, we have El Pinto Restaurant, a destination restaurant in Albuquerque, who also sells their salsa all over the world, and particularly at Ralph's you can get it. And if you're, if you're wanting a wonderful time in Albuquerque, and Lewis said he's going to be there today, I think personally you should go to El Pinto for lunch, Lewis. Uh, Marketing with the Stars sends out uh, lots of emails for a very reasonable price to over 100,000 people that actually care about the emails that they're getting, and they also buy things from them. DrValerie.com, and that's D-O-C-T-O-R-V-A-L-E-R-I-E.com. That's where you find out about the amazing clearing process that I developed in 1984, and I work with clients all over the world, um, actually... um, emotional clearing and actually gotten in there and we can actually alter DNA structures and things of that nature. It's fun because DNA stores memory. So uh, what can I tell you? It's a, it's a wild and wonderful world over here. The t- t- Our tip for today is care about something and also finish something. And Randy, how much longer do we have you? About 10 minutes, I'm told. Oh, about 10 minutes longer. Well, guess what? You're going to get to meet Paula Teske. <laughs> Paula, are you there? Yes. Yes, good morning. (laughs) Good morning. Paula Teske and I shared a home together for a number of years. We've kept in touch over the years. We've, um, I just admire what Paula does so much. Uh, She's always been one of my favorite attorneys. I seem to have a lot of friends that are attorneys, and we do get into some interesting conversations because of my work (laughs) in the Republic and such, but... What she's here for today is because I went to the L.A. Marathon last week because Paula was running in it, and I went down. And by the way, I thank Kayani for the energy that 
that it required a lot of energy for me <laughs> in my little 73-year-old world to find a parking place, walk all over the place, find Paula, uh, be there and all that. But I wanted to be there when she finished the run. And the cool thing about the L.A. Marathon is um, that you can track the runners. They have, what, what is, Paula, is it a... It's a bib chip. It's a bib chip. So in your race bib that every racer gets, um, there is a chip right there. And the the purpose of it is to make sure that that runners stay on the track, uh, on the the course, as opposed to jumping on a bus and cheating. But that was the purpose. But the benefit is that all of my family and friends. I could put in their phone number, and then they could follow me as well yeah, I, through I the course. That. I love yeah. that. And so the so, course is actually 26.2 miles, right? Yes. Tell yes. me where their extra second point two miles came from. Well, uh, it was 26 miles until the Queen of England, uh, and it was in a marathon of the Olympics um, maybe 100 years ago now, um, and the Buckingham Palace where she lives was 2.2 miles beyond where the finish line was. And she asked, and the Olympic people agreed to extend the marathon another 0.2 miles so that she could actually see the finish. And that is an honest-to-God truth t- a story. <laughs> Marathons used to be 26 miles. Now they're universally 26.2 Here, you heard it it on Waking Up in America, okay? (laughs) You heard the 26.2 miles on Waking Up in America. We bring you the truth. Lewis. (laughs) Lewis is a heart doctor. And so keep your ears open, Lewis, because I want you to... Paula, tell our listeners what you went through so that you could even run in the marathon. By the way, this is your fifth marathon, right? Right. I just finished my fifth. I started at age 57. I'm 62 now. Um, And I had never been a runner before, but um, running a marathon was on my bucket list. And so surreptitiously, I would look on the website and I actually put my name in, but I never told anybody. You know, (laughs) so I paid my money and, and became an entrant. But I never told anybody until I told my trainer one day that, do you think I could run a marathon? And she looked at me and said, well, why not? Uh, How much time do you have to prepare? And that is the key because we had about five months to prepare. And every training, the LA Marathon has a wonderful group called the LA Roadrunners. And they will take couch potatoes uh, for six months, every Saturday, <laughs> they will assist you in building up your stamina because in a marathon, it's not your speed, it's your stamina that is key. And so um, back five years ago when I started, uh, my trainer said, yep, yeah, and we've got to follow this process, and it's uh, um, your uh, eating, your uh, sleeping, your uh, exercise regime, everything was absolutely focused on that. And believe it or not, as a lawyer, you you know, we get pretty focused on our work. But I actually put that as number two. And number one was to learn how to do the marathon. And I can say that I have been 
blessed, one, by strong uh, physical health, and two, by the stubbornness that it takes to <laughs> be able to complete a marathon. <laughs> yeah. So, Randy, are you still here? Yeah. I am. Now, Randy is a triathlete. I thought I want to comment on what you were saying because here's what I love about the conversation. Paula said it's about stamina, and that's what it's about in life. You know, the the marathon is a microcosm, and the possibility of life is that, that you can, whether you finish in four hours or seven hours or eight hours or whenever you finish, if you finish, there's a crowd welcoming you and waiting for you there. And Miss Triathlete, I know you tried to get me into the mud r- races and all of that kind of stuff. Maybe <laughs> That's right. Sometime. They're so fun. <laughs> so what do you want to say to this marathon runner? Well, I'm excited that you actually did it. That's what I'm working up to. Um, I haven't done my first marathon yet. I had a year of injuries this year. And in fact, mm-hmm. I have broken toes at this moment. But I'm doing the Spartan race. Uh, still, I went ahead and paid for it in uh, what is the Spartan race? April. Um, that's about an eight-mile run, and I'm doing that with my 14-year-old, so I'm pretty excited. This one is actually a, a, similar to the mud run. It's got obstacle courses, so you're, you're, it's like a military kind of boot camp kind of thing. And if I can get my joints to work better, I, would, I wouldn't mind mud running. It's just that I... Thanks to Kayani, I can actually move again, but I, it's not comfortable for me. I think, I think those, those mud runs are really fun, and that, that is something anyone can do, even you, Val. Anyone, I mean, I saw people walk through them. So yeah. they have low crawls. you got to carry some things, some sandbags, and you climb. The only thing that's a little bit tougher is kind of the taller climbs. I did wipe out on one, and the next lady was coming up from behind me, and she needed to wait because when I crash landed, I landed on her. So um, <laughs> people get a little excited. That was more painful than the actual fall. But uh, marathons, everyone should do it. It should definitely be on everyone's bucket list. And there is preparation. I know when I did Ragbri, which is a, a ride across the state of Iowa in six days, and you camp out. It's very primitive. Um, before that, I couldn't ride, I don't know, 10 miles. And uh-huh. the same hills that I was prepping with ahead of time were so easy when that week was done. Yeah, I would yeah. sail through them. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, and it's just healthy. It's good for the body. It's good for, you know, your, your attitude. It's just something amazing to do, and I think everyone should do it. I'm all for it. I love <laughs> it. And I'm, pr- I'm just proud of her that she did it as well. Yeah, me too. And, and Paula, you know, you should tell them about the the seventy seven year old man. We I I took her for a big treat for an iced tea to the coffee bean, and when we were sitting there, there was a seventy seven year old runner. And what did he say? Well, he said that he had started running at sixty five, at age sixty five, and he's already done over two hundred marathons. Now, this man, <laughs> and and he lives wow. and breathes marathons. And his family does too, his kids and uh, so forth. So, but I see that every time. I see folks who are in their 70s, their 80s doing this. And I'm thinking, my God, here I am at 62 and I'm feeling, wow. And yet another 15, 20 years and they're doing it as well. And I'm just so impressed by these folks. I was looking wow. at, uh, when I was I was looking at my right? daughter Jennifer. Is I just want to say this, Randy, and then you can. I just this is for you, Jennifer dear. 
for all the marathons that you run into. Mommy really respects the training and what you're doing and what you're up to. Okay, back to you, Randy. Yeah, I was just going to say this real quick, and then I'm going to run. But when I was on RAGBRAI, and I've done it uh, about three times now, two of them the entire week, I was passed on a regular basis. Once I was at 30 years old, and then the other one was about 43 or so, 44 years old. Um, I was passed on a regular basis by 70, 80, and I'll bet 90-year-olds. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they are out there, and they are tearing up the streets, and I love and it. I want to tell so you how much fun it was to park the car and walk <laughs> up and see people dragging over the finish line. Some of them were, like, panting. Others of them were celebrating and jumping around with joy. But you know what? They all finished. And yeah, that's, that's right. you know, I, I'm going to, uh, you know, thank you for being with us this morning, and I know you've got a funeral to get to. Before you leave, is there something quickly that you'd like to say about the funeral that you're going to? Oh, that moves me to tears. Vasti Gay, a beautiful woman, flying with the angels now. And I love her son and her daughter that are now orphaned. Mm -hmm. They have no parents. They've lost them both to cancer. So we're going to put her to rest today. And uh, she was a wonderful woman, homeschooled her kids. So here um, in our listening audience, all of you, um, there's an interesting thing about time. Uh, when you do, when you're a Reiki master, which I am, so I'm putting Reiki on this whole conversation right now. You can project the conversation into the past and into the future, and as well as in the present moment. So, as a listening audience, let's just take a moment and let's just um, send some love and some heart to all of those who um, you loved who have left and uh, know that they're actually available to you. There's the body is gone, yes, that's true. Uh, The soul and the spirit are not, they're here. So um, just take a moment and be with this wonderful woman and her family and um, let them just feel the light. And Randy, God bless you and thank you for being here. And um, (laughs) so Louis Constant, (laughs) yes, dear. Thank you, and everyone have a great rest of the show. I'll see you yeah, guys next breathing, week. Keep breathing, Randy. Breathe. I know. It's key. Also, I have some cancer stuff I want to talk about next week, maybe if I can fit it in. It'll help a okay. lot of people. Okay. I'm sure. Yeah. God Bye-bye. bless you all. See you okay, next week. Thank you. Okay, Lewis. <laughs> Goodness gracious. What a fun-packed show this morning, huh? Absolutely. I've uh, been just sitting back here listening to all of the great stuff. Um, not wanting to uh, interfere with uh, Harvey getting his uh, his word out. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we've changed things a little bit to get everybody fitted in, and Ron Hayes uh, asked if he could be on the show this morning, and I asked him to wait until next week just because my hands are full. So, Ron, I love you dearly, and I appreciate the request, and we'll take care of it. Um, Lewis, I don't know what your um, segment had. You know, has that you want to put forward today, uh, but is there some way we can interweave something with what Paula has done and what marathon runners do? Paula and I were talking actually about that 77-year-old man, and you said, Paul, I think that he would have a great cardiovascular system. Oh, absolutely. Well, just think about it. Uh, his breathing and breathing in the energy, um, his cardiovascular has to be wonderful at this point. To be able to do 209 marathons uh, in that 20-year time frame, 
it's just a 25-year time frame. It's just amazing. I, may I just add one thing? I said I had a trainer, and I do, but you, the, the individual has to do the work. So anyone out there who's listening and is like, oh, hell, hell, she had a trainer. No, it's, it's the individual that has to do the work. You build up that stamina by virtue of day by day by day. You know, I, I'm out on the treadmill or out on the streets building up my stamina. So we do the work. You know, the trainer may direct us, but we have to do the work in building up. And so you're also part of a training I, group. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, Ro- yeah. L.A. Roadrunners, as I mentioned. Yeah, now, L.A. Roadrunners. So she, she joins a group to, to help keep this up. Also, Paula and I are both in Weight Watchers. Yeah. And yeah. these things are, these are training teams, and, and they're very important. And I actually have a training team on Saturday mornings at 6 a.m., and Louis Constantine is one of the trainers. So, yes. <laughs> and he's also very good at adaptation. So how would you like to adapt into what we've been talking about here, Lewis? Well, I'll, I'll talk about a couple of things. But, um, I mean, absolutely, you're correct. Of course, um, uh, someone who, anyone who can uh, accomplish the feat of 200-plus marathons has to have, uh, you know, a, a body and uh, a mind, a nervous system, a circulatory system um, that's really... Uh, functioning at a high level. The, the, the yeah. thing about this is that uh, so many folks who are in that age range, you know, who are um, in their 70s and 80s, of course, really don't fit the bill uh, and aren't going to. Um, and a lot of folks don't ever actually reach um, the, those years to actually experience something like that. Um, and there are a lot of folks who are far younger who simply uh, do not believe they have the capacity to to complete you know a feat like a marathon or even a one mile run, um, and we see this every day you know while we're doing stress testing. So, what? Why is that? Why is that? Well, it's it's really really comes down to a couple of, of things in my mind, and I'm I'm simply going to say that we have a problem with nutrition in our country. I think people talk mm. about this all the time. Um, I think it's commonly understood, um, and there's uh, sort of everybody sort of acknowledges a little bit. Well, there's fast food, you know. There's um, there's a lot of sugar, um, but what is not acknowledged, and really we're talking about the same thing uh, that Harvey was talking about with the fact that the nuclear industry um, has, uh, you know, and the oil industry. Um, the fossil fuel industry has a really has a tight, tight, tight noose around the neck of uh, mm-hmm. the folks uh, who make the laws um, and ultimately determine um, how our lives are lived, you know, in a corporate way or in a global way. Um, the reality is that the food industry is no different. The food industry is not designed to provide really great nutritional education I just wanted and to great say something nutrition. To- What's I that? want to mention something to you here, yeah. Lewis. I just an email just came in uh, about an uh, hour ago, and the email was about stevia. And I've always seen stevia as like the self thing. And what the whole email was about about is what the food industry has even done to stevia. They've they've adulterated it. So they take these things that are naturally healthy, and then they adulterate them so that they can manufacture them cheaper or something of that nature. And I was wondering, um, how much of that are you coming across? 
Well, I, uh, I, it's hard. I can't comment on that in an intelligent way because stevia, of course, is uh, is a natural sweetener and has some advantages um, over sugar um, in terms of um, how it's processed metabolically. Um, there, there actually is evidence that using stevia on a regular basis can reduce insulin resistance. Um, but I mean, there there are many different avenues that we can take. But the thing that I simply wanted to point out in terms of um, the nutrition uh, industry is that a lot of it's based on um, consumption of animal products that are produced in a mass scale as quickly and as cheaply as possible. Um, uh, with the addition of everybody knows, you know, hormones and and, and of course um, these animals live in. In, in, in just feeded conditions. But the bottom line is a lot of what we are being told is healthy and nutritious um, is promulgated by those industries, the, the meat industry, the dairy industry in particular with the Dairy Council, um, and of course um, egg industry. And it's not that any of those foods in and of themselves in, in small quantities and limited quantities carefully produced uh, are harmful um, in moderation, um, but but our society as a whole focuses on those compounds, those foods, the, and of course we aren't, you know, uh, the emphasis is not placed on organic fruits and vegetables, which should really be the larger part of, the, um, of, your, of your meal. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there is simple, uh, you know, simple comments like eat X number of fruits and vegetables a day, but really dietary education is completely lacking in this in, in this country, it's lacking uh, in the schools. It's lacking in the medical schools, um, and basically, the problems that we're seeing and the inability of people to to function in a really healthy way and to live into into years like it, it healthfully into into the 80s and 90s and beyond, simply comes down to um, the fact that diet is um, not emphasized. Good diet is not emphasized. And again, that has to do with corporate stranglehold, you know, on on the f- folks that make the laws. So, um, uh, what will happen is, if we ever really do, uh, as a, as a country, recognize what needs to be done, there's going to be significant economic uh, uh, impact on those industries, and it's going to take a generation, or maybe maybe half a generation, um, before we can, in, you know, we can incorporate. Uh, people whose lives will be altered by simply uh, having to look for new forms of work. Um, there are a whole host of reasons why why this can be a challenging thing, but the bottom line is we have to do it ultimately, just like we have to eventually find a way to end the stranglehold of the nuclear industry. Huh. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, an email was just sent to me, okay? I love how this all just fits together everything uh it's it's a picture of a little kid from oregon okay and the it's the little kid's got a sign that says cannabis is my medicine and it cured my cancer brave i'm trying to read it i can't quite read the name but it's a little kid (laughs) pediatric cannabis cannabis therapy is saving children awareness is the most important thing at this moment the anti-tumor effects of cannabinoids and THC have been demonstrated for quite some time and in the 1980s cannabinoid receptors were discovered in the human brain which made it obvious that our body has to synthesize something that binds these receptors. Our bodies produce these compounds 
in our own endocannoid <laughs> system, which is now known to be responsible for a number of biological functions. Any comments on that, doctor? Well, no, that's absolutely uh, correct. Um, and um, in fact, uh, can cannabinoid receptors are you know are found widely throughout the body. They're not just in the brain. You also find them in the immune system. You find them in the spleen. You find them uh, not just in the central nervous system, but in the peripheral nervous system. Um, and it's thought that some of these receptors have a significant role in terms of addressing inflammation. So we talk about inflammation on this show from time to time as being mm -hmm. really the root Kayani. of degenerative disease. We talk about, yeah, and it's diet, how the, the diet that I was referring to that tends to be the major diet is pro-inflammatory and it ultimately leads to all of these, these problems. So, yeah, we talk about Kayani because really Kayani um, is an unusual nutritional supplement. And, I, I, I have to say, um, and use this opportunity to simply say that I am a, a strong promoter of Kayani um, simply because um, I had looked for years for something that would um, really have this, this uh, synergistic blend of different components that, that work together in such a wonderful way to deliver anti-inflammatory compounds, basically good nutrition. Um, in the form of phytonutrients. We've talked about those plant-based nutrients that really have been ignored for decades by nutritional scientists, focusing on things like alpha-tocopherol, form of vitamin E, uh, vitamin A, vitamin C, over and over and over and over again, trying to find out how to use or if there's any use, meanwhile throwing the, the, the most important part of the nutritional uh, value in fruits and vegetables out, not exploring the benefit, and that's the polyphenols, the flavonoids, the phytonutrients um, that are highly anti-inflammatory, and I think which is why Kayani is such a valuable nutritional supplement. Um, but yeah, I think so, so too. It's not just that, Lewis. You know, when you take a look at where it came from, which is the Clinkett Indians, basically that's where the um, this diet has been extracted. That diet that they eat, they have no heart problems, they have all, you know, all kinds of stuff that we just think you have to live with because it's human, clinkets don't have that. And I think that's the most telling factor of all. Well, You're supposed to fill the silence with something. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to be seeing, um, uh, you're going to be seeing uh, cannabinoid products um, flooding the market in the very near future. Um, you know, in a variety of forms, oral forms, topical forms, in the form of salves and creams. and um, It's already happening. Know, it's already I just happening. bought some. It's even on eBay, okay? <laughs> but, uh, Paula Teske, you're sitting here. I've got, I've got a doctor talking and <laughs> mentioning about Kayani. Paula and I are over 50, okay? And um, I think that what happens as you age is a lot of times you kind of use up things or things of this nature, and Kayani gives it back. So anyway, any comments you would like to make, Paula, on what you've been listening to? Well, the, I have always said that the puffiness, like in my ankles, I would like to know why I have all this inflammation in my body. And so I am about to start Kayani with... Uh, with a, a vengeance, so to speak. I'm, I'm going to commit to doing it and on a daily basis. 
and um, I am hoping that will help me because at this age I've done a lot of things but the one thing I want to find out is why does my body have so much puffiness why do I have all this inflammation because I believe that's where um, a lot of the, the, the ultimate destruction of my body will, will come from if I don't find the answer to this. So, doctor, <laughs> any comments you would like to make to this marathon runner? I don't know. I think we'd have to do a face-to-face evaluation. <laughs> this is our, our, the, 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 these phone assessments are, are always a bit challenging. Um, yeah. So I, what I will, I, one of the things I want to mention, one of the last things I want to mention about um, cannabinoids and nutrition in Kayani is that, you know, Kayani has, among other things, in it um, omega-3s. Uh, omega-3s, of course, have potent anti-inflammatory effects. They have wonderful effects on uh, brain and nervous system function and cognition. They also affect cannabinoid receptors in a positive way. In fact, cannabinoid receptors, um, which have anti-inflammatory properties, which are important for normal cardiovascular and nervous system reflex interaction, do not function in the absence of adequate Um, Mm omega-3s. So there's there's that particular um, relationship as well. Um, It's really challenging to try to find uh, when you when you look at at these wonderful nutrients, polyphenols, omega threes, tocotrienols, nitric oxide, and you start looking at um, the myriad ways in which the body functions from a subcellular molecular level to a gross level with large interactions between the gross nervous system and the heart and circulation, you find that these components, these nutrients, are extremely important. Um, they've been ignored for so long, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, uh, Americans uh, in particular have such poor health uh, overall. So Kayani mm. is really a potential um, part, in my mind, of the solution. And that's part of what we're doing here on Waking Up in America. We've, I've been doing this radio show since 1987, and I'm always looking for the best of the best, the most courageous of the most courageous. Um, I'm always, pa- Paula just stood out for me, and what's what stood out for me as well was walking up from, I actually parked below the pier and I was walking up because I didn't know where to find her and uh, I was going <laughs> past the finish line and people were coming in and some of them were dragging and things of that nature, but what they all were was they were all finishers. And I think Harvey said something really important on the show today. He said, you can run but you can't hide. So waking up in America is not about running or hiding. Waking up in America is about taking your life and making the best that you can with it. And we've picked all these sponsors. They've been here part of the program. We've invited the guest, Paul Leteski. Um, Thank you so much for being with us today. Harvey Wasserman, thank you. Randy Shannon. This program has been brought to you by Kirkgaard Intergalactic Media, our radio partners, ConingCompany.com, Dr. James Murphy, Guru Mai, John Denver, Dennis Weaver, Larry Hagman, and Esther Williams in memoriam, and DrValerie.com, and Doctor is all spelled out. We thank our producers and sponsors, Ron Hayes. And, Ron, uh, love to have you um, join us next week. Um, Jeff Spinard, Nathan Jett, Brad Colmer, Ryan Treasure, Randy Jackman, DeMona, Friends, Accumulus Raider, Mike Vitale, Dasher, Monica Rains, Ron Simon, to John Young, a totally gospel, a big thanks for all the airtime and friendship you have given, and um, Bent Magan, you rock, almost ordinary people available to use a free MP3, send me an email at val at wakingupinamerica.com, and remember, Sidious Alcius 40th to a mitzvah today, give someone a boast, and you can run, but you can't hide.
Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 